Don't have to blame Jared now. It's honored them, but it was me. Um, we're on the we're on the fourth week today, preaching through the book of Ephesians, looking at our identity, our our identity as a church, but also as individuals, who we are in Christ Jesus. Um, Paul wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus, and uh, I, I had this thought in the week. Paul never knew he was writing the Bible when he was writing these letters to the churches. It would have been wild if, if he had this revelation, when he, when he suddenly, if he suddenly had this thought going, I'm going to call this the Word of God. I better use better language. I, I better be more eloquent. I, but not knowing what God was going to do, God uses him anyway, and it has this extraordinary impact on the world. The greatest literature ever written is the Bible. They reckon that the, the book of Ephesians is of the greatest literature ever written in its singularity. It's the, the composition, the style, the depth of it is just so phenomenal. And it's essential that we, we look at God's Word and we go, that is the truth, everything else is secondary. Everything else does not compare. There is no other book that can compare to the Bible. It's perfect from cover to cover. It's without measure. I've heard people speak in Christian circles. In, I've been to conferences where the statement has been made, just remember, guys, sometimes we can work outside the boundaries of the Bible. Or we've outgrown the Word. You see, we don't outgrow the Word. We grow because of the Word. It's, growth is the consequence of the Word in our lives. I love in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, All Scripture is breathed out by God, is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. If you feel there's something lacking in you, you're incomplete, you need the Word. So that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The, when it says the Scripture is breathed by God, uh, the, the Greek there is theonustus, and it's, it's neustus with a P, which can, we get pneumonia from, lung infection, breathing, pneumatic, the power of air. Theo is God. So the word is literally saying it's the power of the breath of God that comes out is what has birthed the word of God. When we read the Bible, that's what needs to happen. It's this, because people go, well, we must just have the spirit. And other guys are like, it's just the word. No, it's just the spirit. I mentioned this to somebody this week. What's more important, breathing in or breathing out? Because the, reading the Word is the breathing in, essential to life. Breathing out is just as important. Holy Spirit, move. We need to be people of the Word and of the Spirit. And people go, well, we must be careful that the <laughs> I laugh, sorry. When people say, but if you have too much Word, you might stifle the Spirit. Have you read the book? It's wild. It's wild. It's people in fire not being burnt. It's Red Sea pot. It's crazy stuff. I wish I was stifled on that level. That's what I aspire to. Words stifling the spirit. He wrote the book. He wrote the book. We need to have it in us. If it's not in the word, let's not do it. If it's not in the word, let's not do it. Well, where do you see an iPad in Scripture? Moses. 
came down with a tablet (laughs) that were downloaded from the cloud. (laughs) I'm just saying. Let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you use this, me this morning as I've prepared what I know is an assignment for this body. And for those joining us online, as I've prepared this assignment, I pray that I will deliver it in such a way that I will honor you. There will be clarity and it will be directional, causing us to have life. Lord, I thank you that we get to read the word. I thank you that we get to read the word in public without fear, without intimidation. And we get to declare the name of Jesus with confidence over here. Lord, I pray that the meditation of our heart and the focus of our minds will be on you, not on the challenges that we're facing, not on the person speaking, not even on our environment, but our focus, our meditation is on the one thing, that one thing, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Heavenly Father, we honor you. We worship you, our King. Our God, we worship you. Holy Spirit, use me this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Fifteen years ago, uh, my youngest daughter, Leah, she was three or four years old. And uh, we had just come home from uh, church and standing, we were standing next to a swimming pool. And we were all smartly dressed. And, uh, well, I was like this, the rest of the people were smartly dressed. And we were having a barbecue in South Africa, we would call that a braai. And uh, we always thought a barbecue is when a whole lot of dolls were standing in a row. It was a barbecue. Um, <laughs> And so we would have brahs, and we'd go and we'd sacrifice meat. And, and we were standing there having this barbecue, and I was watching Leah. She had learned to swim quite well, but she, you know, she could make it from edge to edge in the swimming pool. And I, I watched her, and I was keeping an eye on her, because we thought, well, she's okay. So, you know, everyone's, when, when the kid's small and they cannot swim, all the attention's on them. When they can swim... Everyone forgets about them. But I was watching her, and I just kind of shifted my position so I could see what was going on. And I watched her. She was about two or three feet from the edge of the pool, and she went down. And I, I taught my kids, if you're battling to swim and you're battling, just go down to the bottom, just chill, shoot up, take a deep breath, go down, relax. You have at least 30 seconds before you have to do anything. Saturate your body with oxygen, and then assess the situation, then do something. That's great advice until you panic. Then you're not doing that. Then you're just kind of in between the top and the bottom. And I watched her floundering. And she was only this far away, but she just couldn't get to the edge. And I I, I was standing there, and I remember, how do you remember as well? I I just kind of stepped into the pool with my clothing, and I went. I grabbed her, picked her up, stepped out of the pool, put her down. I said, don't get back in. And she was all right to that. She was. Everyone said, well, what happened? I said, she wasn't making it. Oh, was it bad? Yes, three minutes later, we'd be doing something else with her. Yes, it's bad. I had to step into her situation to pull her out of her situation to join her in my situation. I had to step out of my comfort zone, disregard everything. You know where I'm going with this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I I had to do everything. There's nothing that she could do on her own. There was no effort she could put in. There was nothing that she could do better, try harder, deeper. There was nothing in her strength. It was done. The way that could have ended would have been catastrophic. I step in, and she didn't fight me. She was really happy that I'd helped her. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. He steps in, disregards his own comfort. He steps into our situation with no regard for anyone's opinions, suggestions, or ideas. 
pulls us when we surrender to him. She could have fought me off and died. She surrenders to me. I bring her out of the situation, and she comes and stands with me. That's Jesus Christ, what he does for us. And this is what I love. It's when we sing, we sing you know, because you did, we can. You rose, so will we. We, we sing. It's because of him we have. That's the challenge with every other religion. Every other religion is you have to behave a certain way. In, in Far East religions, if you perform well in this life, you'll get promoted in the next one and the next one and, and the next one. And, and if you really do poorly, you become a dog. If you really do well, you're obviously a cat. And it's, they're, they're these progressions. That's, that's crazy. The truthful word of God says it's appointed man to just live and die once. That's how it is. There is, there is no... Advancement based on your behavior or your works here. Or whether it's Islam, where based on how you behave and you're obedient to the tenets of the Quran, whether it's you paying your zakat, which would be your financial contributions, or your salat, your, the way you worship. You cannot earn your place. New Eastern philosophy, you cannot earn. There it's believe, offer, sacrifice, and you can work your way up into the next level. You can work your way up to God. If I could work my way out of what I'm stuck in, I wouldn't need him there in the first place. If I don't need him there in the first place, I don't believe he would be there in the first place. But God is there, and because he's an absolutely perfect being, it means he's absolutely needed. So it has to be he who saves me, and it cannot be earning my way into him. But we want to kind of help God. I was saved into an advisory capacity. Lord, I'd like to suggest, I know that you were sovereign when I got saved. I received the gift of salvation. I, I prayed, I received, I was changed. But going forward, I'd like to make a few suggestions. This morning we're going to chat just a bit about that. Ephesians chapter 1. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The whole part of fulfilling everything in every way, I'm going to address in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm not going to discuss that now. But I want to talk about this whole concept of him being the head and he has placed everything under his feet. Could you imagine? This is how Christians be like, he's the head, and he's placed his feet over everything else. But this is how we see it. We see it as just the head and just the feet. I agree, it's a dreadful picture, and I'm not saying, I'm just saying, that's how we deal with Christianity. He's the head, and he has placed everything under his feet. Yeah, but we're the body. You cannot have the head and the feet placed over something, but somehow the body isn't. Watch all these graduation photos from the, the weekend. And no one stood there with a child with, with just the head. Kid was clever, useless at sport. We just brought the head with Whatever the head benefits from, whatever the head has authority over, whatever the head has control over and authority, and whose feet. At that moment, we're hoping you either have socks that match and that there are no holes in. <laughs> but if, he, if the body's feet are over something, that means the body is over it as well. 
We make the declarations, well, he's the head and he's victorious. We have to change our language to we are. We are. And he has placed everything, everything under his feet. Which part of the anatomy are the feet attached to? That's not the plan. That's paganism or something. Debbie, we can take that horrific picture off. I'm so sorry. <laughs> if he's the head and he's placed everything under his feet and with the body, we need to be functioning differently. We have a different authority and there's something different about us. Ephesians chapter 2. And you, he made alive who were dead in their trespasses and sins. I love the fact that the Bible uses the word trespassing for sin because trespassing, the actual definition of that means you were in the wrong place anyway. You weren't supposed to be there. That if you go and somebody says you were trespassing, it means you went into a place you did not belong and did not have permission to be there. That's what our sin is. We shouldn't be there. We shouldn't be doing it. But the enemy makes it look so attractive that we actually have to step out of who we are to go and do what we get done. But anyway, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. We're going to get to the whole demonic stuff. I'm not going to do that today. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. The characteristics of the dead, they are corrupt, they are rotten, they are powerless, and they are brain dead. A dead person has no authority, they are rotting, and they are brain dead. And when I look at the way certain movements across the world are conducting themselves, I look at them and I go, yep, that's brain dead. That's brain dead. They haven't lost their mind. They have it. It's dead. When certain statements, beliefs, concepts, ideas, what they want to do to children, allow with children, they're brain dead. They, they, I cannot have an argument with a brain dead person. It would be stupid of me. But I'm no longer walking dead. So the title for this morning, sermon. No longer a zombie. If you don't know what a zombie is, Google Walking Dead or Z Nation. Watch a series. We must not get surprised when the world acts like that because that's how the world is supposed to behave. We get all upset with this whole concept of the woke. They're brain dead. When you have a false belief, that's one thing. But when you're operating unsaved, when you are not saved, you do not have the mind of Christ, you're dead. You're dead. But you keep functioning, but you keep walking in that way under the authority and under the power of the prince of darkness. Yeah. You as a Christian, 
no longer have that right. You as a you don't get to do that. It's a bit of a bleak picture that Paul has painted. Is there hope? Ephesians 2 verse 4. But God. But God. My life, but God. My history, but God. My family, but God. My marriage, but God. My finances, but God. If you don't generally underline in your Bible, that's something you underline. Always underline, but God. Underline the word, however. Because however is the pivot of any discussion. Paul will write a whole lot of stuff and he puts that one word, however. And he's like, he's painted something, he goes, however. Now look at what God has done. You underline, but God, however, and in Christ, it'll change the way you read the word. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, this is the thing. We hate the people. God says, I love them. I died for them while they were in that state. You don't get to not love them. You don't get to judge them. You didn't write the law. You don't execute the law. You don't judge. But God. Not, but God has equipped the body to go and pass judgment on all of those who are in sin. And some of us live as though that scripture's there somewhere. But it's but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive. How? Together with Christ. Together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Raised us up together. Made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're together. I'm with Jesus. In this moment, I'm with him. My soul is secure. My spirit has been rejuvenated, sealed by the Holy Spirit. I've got to deal with a whole lot of stuff on earth while I've got this earth suit. I'm on a mission. I have purpose and there's a plan to my existence. And God is calling us to love the people as he's calling us to the message of grace. That in the ages to come, verse 7, that in the ages to come, that's now, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. He wants to show off. I've never, a lot of people, they, they have darkened windows on their vehicles. And it's for the sun and for very privacy and you know, safety as well. I've never seen a Ferrari or a Lamborghini owner darken their windows. Because they want to make sure everyone can see them in that vehicle. God wants to put us on display. He wants to parade us around. This is, this is the one. This is her. This is the one that's equipped. Look at the signs, wonders, and miracles that she does. The bride. And we're going, you're the head and the feet. And he's going, listen to Derek. <laughs> he wants to put his goodness and his kindness, his unfailing mercy, his boundless grace on display through the children of God. That's you. So why would he do all of this and then hold anything back from you? Why would he hold anything back from you? For by grace, verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is the gift 
of God. It's not the gift from God. It's the gift of God. It's Jesus, not of works, lest anyone should boast. He has set us up with everything that we need to fulfill the mandate that he's called us to. Go and make disciples. Go and teach others. Go and get things done. Some of us are more like Jonah. We hear God, ignore God, run away, go through some chaos, and God is smiling all the way because part of the chaos is part of the testimony. I think part of Jonah's success is the fact that somebody saw him being spit out by a fish. (laughs) I think there's something significant about the way Jonah stank as he got to Nineveh. Dude, it smells like you were eaten and vomited up by a fish. Yes! <laughs> David was busy with the mundane. He was going to be a delivery boy, dropping off some roasted grains and some stuff for his brothers while they're on the battlefield. And while they get, when, he, when he gets there, it's so mundane. But he sees Goliath, but he knows that there's a greater purpose in him that he's called to, and he takes Goliath down. Goliath was the was not a stepping stone. Goliath was a catapult that put David into the palace. Sometimes our greatest challenges are going to be the things that launch us into the victory that God wants us, but it gets done while we're busy with the mundane. My day-to-day job. Oh, I'm facing such a Goliath. Next stop, palace. Goliath is not the mission. He's a catapult to put you into. You terrified of storms? Have you seen how God uses storms? Not just Jonah. Storm with Jesus. Jesus is sleeping. Storm comes. They're all paranoid. You know the story. You know the story. But it's funny how the storm ends. And Jesus is walking. The storm ends where? And they happen to be at the very exact place where they needed to be for for legion to be addressed. The storm directed them. Paul's storm, when you read about it in the book of Acts, he's on his way to Rome. He has to go. It's it's a storm hits. They're shipwrecked. He's bitten by a snake. How? How much sin is in this guy's life? If he's on a ship, he gets shipwrecked. He almost dies because they were going to kill him. That he has to plead for the, 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 the prisoners' lives. Then after they're shipwrecked, then a snake bites him. Then you look at the guy. That's a demon. That's it. Just holy water, silver bullet, and garlic. Somewhere, let's kill him. And then the whole island of Malta gets saved. Why are we not seeing that as much anymore? What, is, what, what am I doing? What am I doing? And I'm not speaking to Dayspring. I'm speaking to Derek this morning. What am I doing that is hindering God using me to the fullest capacity? And I read this scripture in this week. It's, it's a hectic scripture in, in, in Leviticus 19. It's the law. We're not under the law because the law is works. We're not under the law but it, it points towards stuff in Christ. In Leviticus 19, it speaks about every one of you shall revere his mother. Do not turn to idols. Do not steal. Do not cheat. Do not require justice. Do not, sorry, do no injustice in judgment. It's harsh. It's a hardcore message. And then in verse 19, you shall keep my statutes. You shall not let your livestock breed with another kind. That's weird. You shall not sow, in your, in your, you shall not sow your field with mixed seed. How did we go from the, the verse after that speaks about do not prostitute your daughter. I mean, how, how did that get in there? Nor shall a garment of mixed linen and wool come upon you. Truly the forces of darkness are operating here. I have polyester and I have cotton. 
the devil is at work. The Lord said this to me. He said, my boy, Ephesians chapter 2, let me just read it to you. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The Lord says this to me. He said, the problem is, and this is why I showed you this in Leviticus 19, don't mix the different types of fabric when they're weaving something. He says, because I do not want you as my product of being crafted in me. I don't want you intertwined with the things of the world. I don't want you cross-contaminated with what the world's busy with. I don't want what the world is busy with being woven into your fabric because when it gets into your fabric, the fabric has to be undone. It cannot be redyed. It has to be redone. There are things in our lives that we have to go back to God. Repentance, going back to God. Just Daniel, outstanding that word. Going back to God and saying, if that's in my DNA, Lord God, then I need you to remove it. Yeah. Lord, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm not just talking about bloodline curses. I'm saying, Lord, if there's stuff of the world that I've woven into my DNA of my life, I don't want that. Then all of a sudden, that Leviticus 19, 19, he's speaking to the depths of a Christian's heart saying, you will not mix with the world. I'm not saying not be in the world, but don't be of the world. I'm his workmanship. I'm his masterpiece. I'm his masterpiece. That he has, and when, he, when David speaks about, he knew me before I was knitted in my mother's womb. And I have this picture of this. He's sitting there. And this is not, I'm a picture person. But he's in my life, in ministry, in my family. He's sitting there. Uh, and he's sitting at, this, at, the, at the weave. And he's, and he's weaving my life together. And he's putting things in my life. And it's gifts. And it's an anointing. And there's talents. And there's, there's, there's abilities that he's putting in me. And then I get involved and go put my own stuff from the world in there. unconfessing it's sins of commission sins of omission if there's things in your life you're dabbling with sin you're derailing what God is building you for he's not going to revoke it and I've seen God use broken people but every single week I'm hearing testimony after testimony after testimony about people quitting ministry about people. Hans and Jerrica, can I call you to the front, please? Can I use your microphone, please, Daniel? Thank you. I watch, I watch, I watch churches, I hear of churches clothing, closing. I hear of people quitting on families, I hear people quitting on marriages. I go, oh, that happened. No, no, no. Something was woven into their daily life and it started changing the tapestry of their lives and it started creating destruction. You have been created for more than anything the world can offer. You have been created with such an incredible picture in God's mind. You're His masterpiece. You're not the world's. I had a a chat with this wonderful couple and um, they were just sharing with me some stuff, and when I heard that, I said, you're going to share that as part of my preach. So I don't do this generally, just see people in the congregation and go, hey, I'm going to call you up, because that'll have everyone terrified. Yeah, so um, we were having dinner with Derek the other night, and I was, we were sharing some of our story, 
in 2001, I experienced the miracle of salvation and rededicated my life to the Lord. I came out of a flagrant uh, lifestyle of drugs and alcohol. Um, the Lord was really good to us. And that Jarek and I met in the church. Uh, we were married in 2003. And we were really um, just catapulted and, and taken under the wing of a local pastor who I was filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time in 2001. I'd never experienced that before. And so I was, I was catapulted on a good tra trajectory. Um, and then fast forward several years, um, I ended up working with that same pastor in a work capacity where I was out on business trips with him. And he had uh, backslidden in his own um, walk with God. And he was owner of the business, and we were whining and dining clients. And he was, he was buying, paying the tab, you know. And so I, I found myself in a position where I was drinking to excess with my employer, who also happened to be the pastor that I was saved under and filled with the Holy Spirit through and everything. I, was, I just ended up, I was confused. Um, and this, this went on for a few years, and, and there was some heartache there where um, it was a failed relationship, but um, it, it brought me into a season where I was disillusioned, and I was confused, and I, I opened up the door to alcoholism back in my own life, and in 2009, um, Jarek and I were involved in a car accident, and it was just the two of us in the car, um, but went off the road going 80 miles an hour. The car rolled several times, and um, I came to my senses. I had blacked out that night, uh, but when, the, when I came to, Jerica was laid down in the seat next to me, and she was asleep. And my dad's a doctor. Um, I was a lifeguard trained in first aid. I, I kind of poked her, but she didn't wake up. She was... She loves this part of the story. She's snoring. And I was like, that's not right. Someone shouldn't be sleeping after something like this. I climbed out of the car. I called 911. I looked, they asked me where I was. I couldn't even tell them where I was because um, I'd been blacked out. And, but someone drove by, called it in. We went to the hospital. Um, the doctor told us that I might as well say my goodbyes because 99% of people with her conditions don't survive. She was in, in a concussion-induced coma and had a, her C1 vertebrae was fractured in three places. So um, no one was allowed to go in the room with her because of the severity of her injuries, but my dad was allowed to because he's a licensed medical doctor in the state of Missouri. And he went in the room with her, he took her hand in his, and he prayed for her. And... Um, he said, Jerrica, if you can hear me, squeeze my hand. She squeezed his hand. He said, Jerrica, wriggle your toes. She wriggled her toes. Yeah. And so my dad came out of the room, and he told me, Hans, she's not out of the woods yet, but a year from now, she's going to be back to 100%. And so um, I, I tell that story just to demonstrate the goodness of God. Um, Haven asked me this morning, Dad, why did you name Hope, Hope, and me, Haven, and Hannah, Hannah, all these H's? And there's a story behind each one. Hope is when God revealed that there's a hope for our life. 
And Haven, we named her Haven because of how the Lord protected us from ourselves in that situation. I think there's something Jericho wanted to say. I just wanted to share, um, when I was in the hospital, I was hooked up to a breathing machine um, and a feeding tube, and um, I had broke my neck in three places in my C1, and so actually in the x-rays later, it was actually in the shape of almost a cross. Um, The break was from the left, the right, and then down the middle. And when you only have one break... 99% of those people die. The 1% that survive are paraplegic like Christopher Reeves. Um, While I was in the hospital, I had this dream, and I was drowning, and I I felt the spirit of death in my face. And um, I don't know how I know, but I knew it was the Father. He pulled his, he put his arm down, and he reached up, and he pulled me up and out of the water, and I could breathe again. And, oh, later I found out that um, I told Hans that dream, and he said that um, there was one point in the hospital where he had to call the nurses in because the machine started going off because I actually, my lungs began to fill up with fluid, and um, I was drowning, and they had to suction me. Suerte. Suerte. Beautiful story. Um, There is no condemnation in Christ. No guilt and shame. If there's guilt and shame, that's the enemy. But there are consequences. And then incredible redemption. You're not not judged. Sitting here this morning, you're not judged at all by what you've done and gotten up to. uh, My daughter, Caitlin, had this prophetic picture this morning. Um, Just... An incredible picture, but it's a person standing here this morning, and he's just tattered rags and an absolute mess and, and, and stinking and just, the, you know, the right person in the right place. We'd see it as the wrong person, just a disaster standing here. And Jesus comes bursting through the door, and he runs, and he grabs this person. And next moment, this person's on stage speaking. And Caitlin says to me, I'm not sharing it with the church, Dad, because that's you. I'm like, why would God share that with me? In this moment, because this is it. What God has prepared for you into the future, He has already prepared for you in the present. But can we stop derailing our lives? Can we stop going and wandering off and dabbling in sin? And I'm talking about jealousy, anger, strife, hatred, unforgiveness, resentment. Those are all things that are going to turn our lives upside down and cripple us. This is not a, a whole chat about don't abuse alcohol. That's a given. But I'm saying this morning, can we get to a place where we say, Lord God, I've, I'm asking for forgiveness. I need the stuff that's been woven into my tapestry. I need it removed supernaturally because this is what his blood does. Yeah. His blood washes us clean. Yeah. And you cannot wash out blood. Can I ask you to all stand with me, please? If there's some things in your life that need to be dealt with, just sin. Not, I'll deal with it tomorrow, <clears throat> right now. Not in detail with God. He knows. He knows more about your sin than you do. In this moment, 
in truth, you ask for forgiveness. I'm talking about if you've been, if you've been slandering people, you stop it. You're gossiping, stop it. You're derailing your destiny. If you're lying and cheating and stealing and abusing whatever substance, stop it. And I'm not praying this so that God will be happy with you. He loves you. He's already stepped into the situation and pulled you out of the water. But he, you're his masterpiece. You've been crafted for so much more. Family could have been destroyed in that moment because they just they started putting things into their DNA and the fabric of their lives that did not belong there. In that moment, I believe it's grace of God that they make it through and they're doing well and they're healthy and, and, and Jericho's been healed as well, which we need to film that testimony and celebrate. But we need to, I, I believe when we get to the point where we stop allowing the world to be woven into us, we'll just start seeing more of the life of God flowing through us. That's what grace is for. That's what grace is for. I just want us to slow down in this moment. This is, this is a grace moment. If you're feeling broken inside, I declare healing and wholeness. Now, in the name of Jesus. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, somebody's hurt you, and it may be justified, it may be totally wrong, please forgive them. Please forgive them. In this moment, just, Lord, I release them. I release them. Let it go. Let it go. Let that go. I was saying this morning, there's a lady here this morning, and perhaps you're joining us online, but there's a lady here this morning, you've been hurt and you were violated. You've never told anyone. What that person did to you was ungodly and was totally wrong. Forgive them for your sake. doesn't mean that what they did was okay. What they did was unacceptable. But you not forgiving them is not helping. Let them go this morning. Let them go. This is how we can gauge if we have forgiven people, is our emotional response when we think about them. If we can think about a person and we're not emotionally provoked, generally we've actually forgiven them. But if you think about a person and there's a bit of anger inside of you, there's something that rises up this morning. I'm going to ask you guys to pray over us. Whatever the Lord lays on your heart. But whatever it is that you, let's see things dealt with, released. Holy Spirit, remove. We surrender to you this morning. Because we want to walk in the fullness of what he has for us. I want nothing held back. I want the body, the head and the feet, to do what they're called to. You know, it's interesting you say that because the Lord really used that experience to help bring me into a realization that I needed to forgive people in my life that guy that I was talking about I needed to forgive him other another pastor that I'd been hurt by needed to forgive and the Lord really used that to bring a revelation of that I actually went to those people and forgave them in person and so Lord Lord I just thank you for the anointing of forgiveness Lord I thank you for the forgiveness that you've extended to us that we're so very much in need of, Lord. Lord, you said freely we receive, freely give. We just extend forgiveness to those that we've been hurt by. Lord, those that have wronged us, Lord, we release them from that obligation. We release them from that debt now in Jesus' name. 
we recognize that we're not any better. Left to our own selves, so we're not any better. So we thank you for your grace. And we just, I just ask for a spirit and an anointing of forgiveness to come upon Dayspring this morning and everyone within the sound of my voice. An anointing of forgiveness to be able to walk predetermined, to walk free of offense. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes, Father, we just pray for your love right now. Father, I just thank you that your love covers a multitude of sins. Lord, I just ask that you would baptize us in your love right now, Father. Lord, I thank you that mercy triumphs over judgment. Mm -hmm. God, and so we just ask for an encounter with your love for ourselves. Lord, that we would forgive ourselves. If you feel this morning that you need to forgive yourself, receive God's love for you. God, we repent for the sin and we come before you. Because you have arms wide open, Jesus. Your arms are always wide open to receive us. Because your love covers. Your love covers us. Your blood is powerful enough to forgive us. And so, Jesus, we receive the covering of your blood this morning. We receive your forgiveness. We receive your love for ourselves. We forgive ourselves this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. This is the beauty of walking free. The product becomes good works, and we start seeing life and life in abundance. Things start changing. Thank you so much. Well done, guys. Well done. To celebrate the forgiveness that we received by our Heavenly Father because of what Jesus has done for us, we'll be, we have communion. We break bread together. However, I... I have to say this, if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never experienced him pulling you out of the muck, out of the water, out of the miry clay, setting you on the, the rock that is Jesus Christ, if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never prayed and surrendered your life, and you know that this morning you need to, this morning it's time to make right with God. While everyone's going around, going to the tables to get the juice and the cracker, the little cracker that's with it, I want you to come and stand with me in front and I'll pray with you. I want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way, but if this morning is your time, it's now. You, you cannot run from him any longer. You come and stand here with me. The rest of you, go and grab some juice, go back to your seats, and we're going to have communion together. <laughs>